Welcome to the Bikes, Brews, and Booze podcast. This is your host, Rev the Barber, from the world-famous Main Street Barbershop, Daytona Beach, Florida, along with my co-host, Mauro from Santos Cycles, Justin from Ormon Brewery, and Jeremy from Copper Bottom Distillery. We take you into the world of motorcycles, craft breweries, and craft distilleries. So get ready for the ride of a lifetime. Welcome back to the Bikes, Brews, and Booze Show. This is your host, Rev the Barber, from the world-famous Main Street Barbershop, Daytona Beach, Florida. And we are back after a long hiatus. I know last year just went to hell in a handbasket. Um, I had some health issues, which um, a year ago today, I was on life support, and I am back better than ever, I guess you could say. I don't know if my wife would say that or not, but I would say I am. And actually, a year when a year and a half ago when we did our last podcast, we were just engaged. We weren't actually married, so it's crazy to think that all kinds of stuff happened last year that everyone missed. So uh, we are at Copper Bottom Distillery today, and uh, they do got some construction going on outside, but we shouldn't hear it. It's a thorn in, in uh, Jeremy's side as he tries to put together a patio that's fun. We'll get there. We'll it's get coming. There. <laughs> He, they keep trying to like create an airplane outside and his patio wants to fly away. It's, yeah, it's taken off a couple times, so hopefully we can keep <laughs> it grounded. And we got Justin from Ormond Brewery here as well and Morrow from Santos Cycles and he has a new business venture going on with uh, Restoration Cowboys. So he's going to tell us all about that today, a new business venture that he has uh, gotten into. So. Um, Justin has a uh, kitchen now at uh, the brewery, yep, so sure that's do. pretty cool. So we got all kinds of fun stuff to talk about on this episode of the podcast after being away for um, a year and a half. So where do you guys want to start? With drinks. Drinks, yeah, yeah. absolutely. With drinks. So we are excited to announce that on the podcast we have talked about Jeremy and Justin teaming up and creating a uh, beer barrel to rum, and it has finally come to fruition with the Ormond Brewery beer barreled rum out of the Imperial Stout, right? Correct, yep, that was our the Donkey anniversary Jose release. Barrel? No, it's our, it's our bootlegger series that we do every year. Okay, um, okay I'm glad you asked. Yeah, so. I was gonna ask that, because I've gotten asked two or three times, which one is it? Is it the, yeah. the dude, is it the, I was like, I, I can be honest, a, I don't know. It's a real big Imperial Stout, it's like a 10% Imperial Stout okay. um, that we do in release on our anniversary party, so. Oh, cool. Um, so it probably was from Probably our 2020 or 2021, yeah. one of those. But yeah, let's, yeah, let's try without further ado. Yeah, this and is, uh, I think it was, when it might have been the 2021 actually. Probably. Because I feel yeah. like this has been in there. We a gave it to you pretty fresh. I mean, we emptied it and gave it to you like the next day. Yeah. And, and we they actually gave it to him on the podcast. That was, we were talking about them driving it yeah, to, the, uh, to the distillery. Oh, did um, we? Yeah. Oh, also, yeah, it had yeah. to be 2021 then. Yeah, because um, they loaded it in the back of your truck that night yeah. after the podcast. Oh, yeah, we were doing right. it. We did that podcast episode from um, Ormond Brewery. So, uh, I'm going to have been... to go back and find that uh, episode. I might have Link to. A little flashback. Kind of like put a little flashback. Mm-hmm. Oh, it smelled good. Pretty good notes. Nice notes on it. Yeah, I get a, a lot of like cocoa, obviously coffee, a little smokiness to it, a little maltiness even. I think it's pretty good. I, this is one of my favorite ones, actually. I, I like this one a lot. So what, a, what did this barrel start out as? Um, I forget. It was a whiskey uh, barrel, but I forget. Buffalo which, Trace. Was it Buffalo Trace? Yep. Yeah. Buffalo Trace to you. Yep. And then we filled the Buffalo Trace barrel with our Imperial Stout. And right. We gave it to Jeremy, and he put his delicious rum in it. Put so. the two, yeah, so it's a little over three years old because we put a 
we put a rum in there that was almost two years old at the time. So yeah, it's a little over three years old, uh, two years in a one-choose bourbon, and then an additional year in Justin's delicious uh, Imperial, Stout. Imperial Stout Barrel. That's awesome. Pretty yeah, cool. That has yeah, a nice flavor to it. Roastiness yeah. comes through. A lot of the flavors that are in that Imperial Stout definitely mm -hmm. come through. But Should just have. a hint. You know, not, not overpowering. No. Definitely not. Should have dug out a bottle of it and brought it for a comparison. Didn't scan. think about Didn't that. Didn't think about it. Didn't. Yeah, it's, it's Didn't 80 proof. It on the table. Yeah, it's 80 proof. It's not, uh, you know, not, not overpowering. Um, but it's, you know, really good flavors in that one. I like that way that one turned out. Yeah, it smells, it smells amazing, too. Nice taste to it. How many barrels, I mean, how many bottles did you get out of that barrel? 306. Yeah, I got 306 out of this one. And Is that a good number? Is that... That's average. I'd say it's average. I mean, I keep bottle number one. Justin's going to get bottle number two, and then we're going to sell the rest. Cool. So. That's awesome. I'm glad we were able. No, I'm, it's awesome that we finally were able to ha have this happen. Because I mean, it was like what three years in the making, three or four years in the making of getting it together. Aging spirits taste yeah. well. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's and it's still not officially released yet. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just finished it, so this is the first we're really trying it. So. Right. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy because we talked about it. Shoot, when we first started the podcast, you know, the podcast back four years ago. Yeah, we did. We've been talking about trying to do something for a long time, yeah. and we finally were able to, to make it work. Because I, I will say that it's it's hard sometimes because between me having rum ready, somebody having barrels ready, haven't sat, sat forever. It's it, it it is difficult sometimes. Yeah. So. It's a bit of an orchestra. Yeah, it's pretty cool though because it is finally here. Yeah, and, uh, it tastes amazing. I yeah, it's pretty it delicious. Great, I like it a lot. Great taste to it. What do you think, Mara? I think it's great. Yeah. It's good. Nice notes. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking the barrel back with me today. Today. And I'm putting an Imperial Brown Ale, which is our one of our first beers that we ever did. And we actually had it when we opened the business because we're yeah. 10 years this year. Oh, wow. And, you guys uh, are 10 years this year? 10 years. So we, yeah. we made our breakfast brown ale, which is like one of our initial cores. We kind of dropped it after a while because um, our distributor had another brewery that distributed brown ale. And they kind of yeah. they didn't want to have two that were on the same, you know, sales call and uh so we let it go for a while we did nine percent nine and a half percent actually imperial version of that breakfast brown ale and that's what we're going to put in that uh that barrel now that we're getting it back from you cool so no, that'd be cool and yeah. we'll release that at our anniversary party this year beer doesn't take nearly as long to age so yeah so you're 10 years we're going to be seven years probably about the same time right when you yeah november november so we're october yeah so we're going to be seven years this year and you're 10 years wow yeah with with um Super fresh, wet barrels. We can get away with like sixty to ninety days on stuff. Um, so you know, especially when it's hot as it is lately, that kind of speeds up the process. Especially with beer, it's not it's not good to get it too warm. Nine percent, nine and a half percent is pretty safe as far as right. potential contamination, and you just sterilize it for us. So should be good to go. Yeah, I'm about to say it's good and wet. <laughs> so, yep. So that'll that'll be coming soon. Are you going to release that forward? We're releasing, yeah, so we're releasing our bootlegger, which we do every year, which was what the Imperial Stout was. That's going, I believe, in a Blanton's barrel, but I'm not positive. Oh, nice. Um, we're still trying to secure a barrel for that. Yeah. And then uh, then the other Imperial Stout's the Breakfast Brown. Cool. Or Imperial Brown, I'm sorry. But yeah, high-gravity beers. We're doing, you know, usually we do two or three high-gravity beers for that. It's good for that time of year, too. It is. Not this time of year. No. This time of year, you need something that's a little more thirst quenching. A little, little lighter this time of year. So when will those be done? They'll be done uh, first week in November. Cool. Very cool. Well, I have another one that I that I brought out. This is 
probably one of the ones I'm most proud of. This is our bottled and bond. It's a, a six-year-old, 100 proof. We, like I said, we're just about to celebrate our seven-year anniversary, so this is one of the very first barrels we put down a little over six years ago. It's delicious, um, but it's six years old. It's nice. It's 100 proof, too, so it's pretty strong. So bottled and bond um, is actually in... It's actually the very first Food Safety Act in American history. Um, it was back in the mid-1800s, sometime around then. There was a lot of stuff that was labeled bourbon that wasn't actually bourbon. And it was, um, you know, corn whiskey with a lot of iodine or tobacco juice or just junk in it. And understandably, people were getting kind of aggravated about that. So they passed a law. And I believe it was the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897, I think it was. And it um, basically said that in order to label it bonded or bottled and bond, it had to be distilled by one distiller in one distillery in one distilling season. And then it had to be um, aged in a federally bonded warehouse for at least four years. Um, this was actually six, and, and back then the federally bonded warehouses were actually guarded by federal agents. Ours obviously isn't, but it's still a bonded warehouse, and then uh, it has to be bottled at exactly 100 proof. So this meets all that criteria, and it's pretty good. The, I'll tell you, the it started to kind of fade away. Not a lot of companies were doing bottled and bond products because there wasn't really a need for it. Standards went up, didn't really need it. But you're starting to see more and more come back, especially with smaller distilleries like us, because we want to show you that we make things. So it's one of those things that if it says bonded or bottled and bond on the label, you know exactly where it came from. Um, and that's rare nowadays, unfortunately. That's awesome, I like the bottle too. You kind of like changed it up from the other bottles you use. Yeah, and I designed that one completely myself. Um, this is the only, my wife pretty much did all the rest of them. This is the one I just like, you know what, I'm gonna try it out myself. And I designed the whole label, start to finish myself. So I'm a little proud of it that way too. I bottled every one of them myself. I did, this one I took a lot of, this one I did personally. Like, so it was, it was good. <coughs> and it just got Justin. No, no. <laughs> it is 100 proof. Now, your warehouse is bonded because of what you do in it, or did you have to do something different? For right. That? No, it's bonded because of what we do. Um, basically, everything back there is non-tax paid. So once it leaves that room, we have to pay tax on it. So, yeah, we have a, a bonded warehouse. Do you have to do that in, in beer? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. Yeah, so we all have to have bonded warehouses. Just Ours is a little bit different. Sections of our warehouse can be unbonded because we have tap rooms and tasting rooms. Right. So, you know. And that's the way this is, too. This in here is not bonded, um, but everything. Area, the yeah. And we, production we, space is all Production bonded. space is all bonded. And really what it does is it covers the government, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if a fire breaks out, they want to make sure they're going to get their tax money. So yeah. that's really all what it's all about. All right, so this uh, bottled and bond, man, that stuff is uh, it's pretty good. It has some different notes in it than what you would, what we got from the uh, first one there, the Ormond uh, beer barrel rum, well, copper bottom beer barrel rum with the from the uh, Ormond brewery. Do you plan on doing any more bottled and bond projects? Yeah, spicing them in. And yeah, I've, I mean, I've got two more back there that are a little over six years old. So yeah, I plan on kind of spacing them out a little bit, but is, is that the year? Is that like the um, the year that they have to four, be? Or? Four years is the minimum, okay. so it has to be minimum four years. I just had three barrels back there that were a little over six years old, and I started tasting them. I'm like, this is pretty good. Let's go ahead and release it. And the other reason is, is 
the longer it sits back there, the less is in it. I mean, we got 228 bottles out of this one, where, like I said, you compare that to the three-year-old uh, beer barrel, we got 306 out of that. So we lost quite a few bottles. Right. And the longer it sits, the more we're going to lose. So it's one of those that if you want to have anything to sell, at some point you got to release it. Right. The other interesting thing about that one was I put it in that barrel at 125 proof, which is what I always put it in, and it came out at 150. I mean, it, it went up quite a bit. And honestly, it was delicious at 150. I wish, I'd, you know, it's one of those that I would have released it at that, but I don't think that's uh, something for the general public, let's put it that way. Not everybody's not everybody's into something that strong. Right. Legally at the standard, 153 is what our, in the state of Florida, it's, it's a weird number, I don't know why, but 153 is the number in Florida. I mean, you can go across the border into Georgia and get 190. Yeah. But here in Florida, it's 153, which is a weird number. So you had us taste one time, though, some rum or it was rum or gin or something that was right out that was really hot like that uh that was gin i think yeah like evaporated as we were trying to drink it what was that one yeah that i think that was gin and that was coming right off the still and it was like 170 probably yeah and it like evaporated as it was hitting our mouth oh yeah that's uh yeah that one 170 is no joke i mean you couldn't couldn't really drink it i mean it literally was evaporating no it's tough i mean like i taste like when I'm distilling, I have to taste everything off the still. But when I taste it, I'm dipping my finger in it. I'm not taking shots because at 192, right. you're not like our, our vodka comes off at 192. Yeah. You're not doing shots at 192. No. Just not gonna have a gut left if you did. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, at that point, I'm not really what I'm really tasting for is for faults. I'm tasting for the heads and tails, and at that point, all it takes is a drop. I don't really need more than that to be able to taste it. So. Right. Do you have any barrels, like original barrels? Well, that was, so, yeah. So, this one was one of the first six. I think this was the sixth barrel that I bottled, or barreled. So, this was one of the very first. I've got the seventh and the tenth left. So, I've got the first five I I did our aged rum with, but Mm -hmm. I saved the sixth, saved the seventh, and I've also got the tenth back there. So, I've got a few that are going to be actually coming up on seven years now, so... I may, that's the other thing, I may have a couple of them just maybe go a little longer and see where they go. But um, I'll say we've gotten really good, uh, you know, everybody, really good reviews on it. Everybody who's tried it really likes it. Unfortunately, it's not one that you can come to the distillery and taste because I just don't have much of it. So we don't do samples of it. But I can assure you it's good. Just buy it, drink it. (laughs) (laughs) It does, it has a nice flavor to it. But yeah, it's a... it was a fun project. It was one of those, I say a fun project. I put it in there six years ago and let it sit. But, I mean, I've, I have tried it over the years and have kind of seen where it's gone. And um, So that's where the 80 bottles went, huh? Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a few. <laughs> there might have been a few bottles that uh, were just samples, just tasting. But, uh, but no, it, uh, it does evaporate out quite a, quite a bit. So, I mean, we, we lose quite like a bit. It sounds like water evaporated as much as the alcohol did, too, which is kind of... Which is backwards. Yeah, and, and in this, especially in a, in a hot, humid climate, generally it's the opposite. But we... Um, is what it is. I think it's where it was sitting in the rack, too. It was on the very bottom of the rack, so it was the coolest part of the distillery. Um, so I do think that that played a role in it as well. So... Yeah, it went up quite a bit, and I, I do have just a little little bit in the back that I saved at 150 just to, just to have, because it is pretty good. 
to Justin, you have a you have a few beers that you brought out with you. Yeah, so I kind of lean towards a couple more summer beers and not stuff that's our uh, flagships because we've all had those before. Right. Um, but we have a cherry lime sour, a Berliner Weiss. That's uh, pretty good and refreshing summer bev. Um, it's right under five percent, just shy of five. And then um, and that was actually brewed by Brett, who works for me. And then uh, the other one I have is a. Um, it's basically a pilsner, but we used a um, yeast that was Norwegian yeast that is a pretty extremely old yeast culture that was passed down family to family. They call it Kviki. It's K-V-E-I-K-E is the yeast strain, but it's adapted to ferment at really high temperatures, ferments really fast, hmm. and it has um, very few offensive like phenols or um, esters or anything like that, which usually if you ferment hot and or fast, you get you know, some really bad off flavors in the beer, but this uh, Norwegian yeast kind of started becoming somewhat popular because a couple of these families in Norway were like, hey, you know, we've got this stuff, and they kind of hadn't shared it until realistically, like, you know, right before COVID. So, you know, the last, like, five years, these have come out, you know, to the general public, and, you know, I'm sure, you know, in certain areas of Norway, people had it, but, like, it wasn't commercially available to us, and it wasn't, you know, even hardly available on a homebrew scale, so... So the Vicky yeast wasn't really available on the commercial, let alone homebrew scale, in this area until three or four years ago, and, and a lot of breweries started experimenting with it. We've done it a handful of times, um, but what's interesting about this batch of beer that another one of my brewers actually came up with, um, Steve, he uh, he basically did a classic Pilsner recipe with this yeast. So like the flavor profile, the stuff that's basically not just you know the malty backbone and the you know blonde Pilsner that you know is pretty typical. Are attributes from the yeast that that are kind of fruity, and they're they're phenols, but they're they're kind of pleasant, pleasant, agreeable phenols, you know. So, without further ado, we'll crack open the uh, crack open the pilsner first. So sounds good. Cleanse our palate. Off. That does oh, sound yeah. good. It always <laughs> sounds good. See again, it's just a it's pilsner malt. It's about four and a half percent alcohol. Really, the only variable besides just the classic pills is the yeast. That's nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Light, like you said, light, refreshing. Yeah, it's not quite as cold as it was a little while ago. Off the top. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a really good beach beer. Something you can drink, you know, a couple of, you know, in the afternoon. And nice color to it. Yeah, the color yeah. is really nice. Nice color, real straw, pale straw. Nice head too. Like, it's so one thing I'll say. I've noticed this recently with some of the other, like some other breweries around I'll crack open something or I'll grab something and just almost almost not carbonated crack I think that's what it is just not carbonated correctly and I mean this one just just looks right just right out of the can just looks mm-hmm. right yeah yeah carbonation problems can come a lot of people and we we always have um, these anti-foaming agents in our beer making process because we try to make as big a batch as we possibly right. can and you know if we don't use anti-foaming agents we only go halfway up in the kettle because beer just as it's cooking naturally, you know, it doesn't have any carbonation at that point, but just the starches and you know the proteins in it want to cause the the liquid to foam. And I think a lot of people either don't read directions or you know have it written down from when they started doing it wrong. But there's a lot of breweries that I go to that you know beer doesn't get the proper head even poured off the draft system because people use too much of the anti-foaming agent. Nah. If you use it in a small amount, that actually helps you in the kettle. Most of it kind of you know seems to boil off but but if you use the wrong you know quantities of you'll, it you'll get it in the final product you get it in the final product and you carbonate the beer and you know you 
won't retain a good head on your beer. So that's just one of these things. You know, I don't think I could compete against myself. You know, now when I started, of course, <laughs> the quality of the product that we were putting out was, you know, pale in comparison to what we have now. But right. a lot of it's just you know, experience. Right. Learn, learn the hard way a couple times in certain things, and so. Yeah, I think we can all say that. I mean, if you've been at it any amount of time, you. To you're say gonna, that you haven't learned anything means you're yeah, just you're naive or ignorant. Exactly. <laughs> like too. Yeah. Probably both. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that so. one's good. Now you can this. You have this in cans. We don't have it in cans. Oh. It you know it could be a good you know canned product, but the problem that we would run into with this specific beer is that it's going to be too close to our Blondel that we already make as far as trying to do a core beer. So this you know these type of beers and actually during COVID is what promoted us or prompted us to do it, but. We used to only can like four different beers. So you come into the brewery and try to buy cans, you only get one of the four. But being shut down, only being able to do to go sales, we started canning eight to ten varieties of beer, and we still do that. So if we do a batch of beer. Usually, what we'll do is we'll pull off, you know, eight cases of cans, which you know usually isn't enough to fire up the canning machine. But if we're already doing, you know, three hundred cases of two other brands, it just means another fifteen minutes at the end of the day to do yeah. eight cases of this, and then we can offer the general public that without having to put pressure on our bar staff to fill up. Crowlers or growlers, and you know, people grab a six pack. And mm-hmm. another thing about six packs is you open a 32 ounce, you know, crowler. You got to drink it. You got to drink it. Even a growler that reseals, you know, it's still not going to have the carbonation that it had when you first opened it because you just put a bunch of, you know, yeah. oxygen on top of it, which is going to, you know, cause it to oxidize over the course of the week. So, so opening opening a beer is not like opening a bottle of spirits. It's a little bit of a commitment. You got to <laughs> drink as much as you want and get rid of the rest. You can't yep. save it for later. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't can this one yet. Um, lately, we've canned our Tomahawk Red Ale, which wasn't isn't one of our cores. Our cores are our Dude Stout, our Tropical IPA, our Lawn Chair IPA, and our Ponce Blonde Ale. Um, but we've been canning. Uh, we canned the Mexican Lager, which was a one-off mm-hmm. that was really good. Um, we canned the Pineapple Wheat, which was really good. Um, uh, Red Ale and Irish Red Ale, uh, which we call Tomahawk, and then. Our Cloud Nine, which is our hazy IPA, we don't distribute it all, but we pretty much always have it in cans available because it's actually our most popular in-house beer. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, one. Cloud yeah. Nine, yeah, yeah it's a good one. It's a hazy IPA, and that's kind of still <clears throat> that was a fad that I thought would kind of dissipate pretty quickly. And I I enjoyed the the hazy IPAs, but you know I didn't see it sticking around like it has. It's kind of taken over the IPA industry. You know, breweries still do West Coast IPAs, which are the crisp, clean, clear mm-hmm. IPAs. But 10 years ago, if you'd come out with a hazy IPA, people would think you didn't know what you were something's doing. Something's wrong with this beer. Yeah, something's wrong with this beer. <laughs> There's yeast still in it, you know. And, and uh, But really what it is, it's, you know, suspended, you know, you know oats and other things. And, and uh, so, yeah. They're flavorful. That's what I like about them. Yeah. They are. They are. So, but the next one that I brought in is actually, like I said, the... Uh, Cherry lime Berliner Weiss, which is a kettle sour. With I do like sours. Natural yeah. cherry concentrate and natural lime juice. These are actually my favorite. I used to be a, more of a stout person, but over the years, it, I really started liking the sour. Part of I think what the what does it for this one is the the red color. I mean, it's, oh yeah, it's deep red. Oh, but again, it's got a nice fine head on it. Yeah, it has a good head retention. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's good. Kind of a Kool-Aid beer. <laughs> yeah, it is like a good summertime. Yeah, good summertime beer. 
It's not super sour. Um, it got to a pH of about three and a half, and then the lime juice made it even more acidic. So, but the cherry juice does a pretty good job balancing it. Yeah, that's I think really if you drink enough of it, you'd have a little bit of a stomach ache. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's more sour than you're perceiving pH-wise. But yeah, the cherry does definitely mute it and balance it out. Sometimes cherry is a little too sweet too, and it's not that either. I guess I said, like not, you said, that pH. Not that much cherry, to be honest. I went up to a, a brewery up north that's pretty well known. I can't remember the name right now, and they're they're famous for their sour. You couldn't even drink it; it was so sour. I guess if you really like sour. We do pretty much exclusively kettle sours. You know, not to offend our beer beer drinking population, but we're not too progressive like Asheville, North Carolina, or like. Seattle or even you know New England some of the sours that say Wicked Weed which became real famous for their sours and the Anheuser-Busch purchase as a consequence has a separate brewery they call the Funkatorium which messes with all the crazy bacteria that infect beers that cause them to be sour and it's something that production breweries like myself are scared to death of because uh, yeah. it has the potential to overtake and infect the brewery and while it's a cool side project it's you know if you were to map that as far as how much of your business it is, it's like a fraction of a percent with, you know, a whole lot of potential consequences. Yeah. So when we have messed with, you know, Britannomyces, you know, Lactobacillus, um, which is what we do use for the kettle sours, but we only use it in our cooking tank. We sour it in the cooking tank over the course of three to five days um, and then boil it straight in the cooking tank again so it actually never goes in a fermentation tank. When we have, you know, done stuff, we either do it in the kettle or we do it in a barrel that we're going to get rid of after that because affecting a barrel that we're not going to use again no big know, deal no big deal but um putting it in a live fermenter no matter no matter how good you clean it it still has the potential to bite you in the butt mm-hmm. so yeah so you gotta be real careful with those yeah I, I don't even touch them as a consequence i mean the, the yeah. risk versus rewards you know if we were to become known for that but you know even our kettle sours is not more than like five percent of our entire beer sales so right. people love them you know the people that do like them but you know again it's just a you know risk reward kind of thing yeah yeah well anybody who's ever made beer i mean you do more cleaning than brewing and you can't if you let any of that get in there oof. It, it, yeah it could take over and i mean we had a you know during the beginning of covid we shut down for a while and we hadn't cleaned our heat exchanger well enough um, and the horrific smell that came out of it the first time we went to use it again, we tried throwing everything we possibly could at. We consulted our you know, chemical company. Um, we used higher concentrations. We used more. We ended up having to replace anything that wasn't metal in it. You know, wow. Any rubber part had absorbed this. You know, I don't even know what it was. You know, it was just bad. Wow. <laughs> you know, a piece of grain husk had some kind of you know, bacterium on it that, that just infected it. It yeah, smelled like... Just awful, septic kind of smells. So, oh god! And and the water that we were putting through it was, you know, had had that smell to the water. I mean, we couldn't, you know, we we tried for a week and just gave up and bought another thousand dollars of the seals for a heat exchanger. So, again, live and learn, right? <laughs> live and learn. Now, if we shut it down for more than a week, we pack it with, you know, caustic solution. Yeah. And when we come back to it, the caustic solutions, you know eating up anything that would have possibly been in there. So, you know, high pH, low pH, both of them do the, about the same thing. Yeah. So. so you don't have to worry about that happening again. That would be bad. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, won't say never, but yeah, it's, something <laughs> it's just something. We definitely look out for it now. Yeah, and it's yeah. fixable, but yeah. that's a really good beer. That that was delicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. they both are. Yeah, they both are really good. So that's what's new in the beer industry. Um, other than that, we put in a kitchen for the brewery. We started having some uh, just reliability issues with food trucks. We'd have a commitment that a food truck was going to be there a certain night, and just to you know operate a brewery and have people drinking two or three beers, and not putting any food in themselves, is not a good thing. So right. food trucks are kind of mandatory. We have people saying they're going to show up and they don't show, and oh, I'm sorry, my uncle, you know, got sick, and you know. Yeah. Oh, it's raining, so I didn't want to come anyways, and you know, the multitude of reasons, you know, got hiring, and so we just opened our own kitchen. You know, of course, it's got its own, its own headaches, I'm sure. It's got its own headaches, <laughs> but I, I've I've got really good staff in the kitchen. I haven't had too many headaches whatsoever. So, food's excellent too. Yeah. So what kind of what kind of food you having on the menu? Just um, stuff that pairs well with beer. We have pretzels. Um, we have quesadillas. Uh, we've got. Smashburgers are kind of our most popular item that we have. Cool. Uh, we have a really good Cuban sandwich. We have a really good Italian grinder. I can't remember everything. Steak and in. cheese? We do have a steak and cheese. Really good. And then uh, just a whole bunch of different stuff. We run specials every week. We try to. Um, we did, last week we did a um, an ahi tuna um, slider on a bao bun. That sounds um, That yeah. was pretty good with the, the wasabi sour cream sauce on it. So... We try to like mix it up and you know we've already dropped three or four things off the menu that we thought were going to be kind of popular that we didn't sell too much of and we run specials and if the special you know sticks then we end up putting the special on the menu and taking something else that's slow off so and that's going to be what we continually do you know that's kind of the nice thing about us operating the breweries we have a small system that we can do small batches of beer on you know none of our beers were cores necessarily to start they were all small batches that we did and people go oh, I really like this so we put that as a core and then all of a sudden that you know one that was similar to it would come out of flavor and like our breakfast brown now that we're you yeah. know we started with we don't do that as a production beer anymore but we do a stout that also has espresso in it so I mean it's not too far off it's just right. you know color shade and a little bit of uh, you know mouthfeel so it's, it's nice to be able to kind of continually change what you do you know to meet your consumers desires yeah that's the only good and bad thing I guess about brewing industry is you know change it seems quick. like to change pretty quick sometimes and you know things fall in and out of favor pretty quickly although the seltzers are still around i'm not sure what happened there but the seltzers i don't think they're going anywhere either. well at this point i don't think so but i thought for sure that was going to be another fad too but they uh i thought that was going to be a wine cooler but i guess not no they zima they grabbed a solid 18 to 24 percent of the market share and they're hanging on to hanging it. on to <laughs> so they're there and they're there to stay it seems like yeah, there's people out there that like them. I'm not one of them. But. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. There is, you know, there is White Claw sitting in my, you know, I don't know if we're allowed to say that on the show, but they, uh, they're sitting in the refrigerator and I don't drink them. So. And, and what's really funny is my wife bought those four months ago and they have literally sat in our refrigerator for four months. Like, so I'm not sure what they're there for <laughs> or why they're there. I mean, I understand the. It's idea. all TikTok's fault. Well, yeah. it's, it's TikTok's fault because I guess there was this trend going around where you took the white claw and you mixed it with the white claw vodka of the same flavor and it made this drink. Oh, boy. And so she watched it on TikTok and she never tried it. She just <laughs> bought both of them. And 
the white claw is set in my refrigerator and the vodka is set in the pantry and neither one of them have been touched but mm. it seemed like a great idea i think at the time it just never happened it just seems like you're i don't know that it makes anything unique i just think you're adding alcohol abv <laughs> to it so you could literally pick up any bottle of vodka throw it in uh, there and i'm at sure the beginning it's of the summer it was a trend on tiktok <laughs> that all these girls were doing it while they were sitting at the and Thank God I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch TikTok. I'm not on TikTok, but the wife's on TikTok. Nice. Well, at least you know the trends as they come and go. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know the trends. As it rotates through your refrigerator. <laughs> or stays in. Or stays in. This, stays this isn't rotating. It's staying there. It's taking, our refrigerator isn't big enough for it to take up that much space. That's funny. And I was like, what are we doing with these white claws? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, they've been in there for like three months. Can we like move them out? Now they need to stay there. And I'm like, okay. okay. They'll stay right there. <laughs> Start sending them with the kids to school. <laughs> <laughs> Give this to your teacher. Give this to your I'm teacher. I'm sure she needs it. <laughs> <laughs> After a day. Oh. That's funny. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's it for the beer business. Yeah. It's kind of wash, rinse, repeat for us. I am. I'm going to have to go down there and try out Justin's food. And it seems like every time we turn around, Justin has a new beer coming out, too. So. And so is Justin. I mean, Jeremy has new rum coming out all Not the time. as quickly as Justin. No, it's a lot quicker with beer. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Our process is 10 days. Yeah. 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 That was a little bit longer. Yeah. His takes a, Jeremy's takes a few years, but yeah. uh, we did get the uh, Ormond Brewery and Copper Bottom collaboration there, which we were really excited about the four years. In the Took making. a while, but. <laughs> yeah. That, that did excite us. So, what's going on with you, Morrow? Your restoration cowboys. Yep. I was really wanting to see a horse. I mean, I like that you have the cowboy hat on your shirt. I was mm-hmm. really hoping there was like a horse and like a lasso, but we didn't get a horse. No, so no horse. I did get a cowboy hat. Yeah. I'm just surprised he's. That's not part of his uniform now. It's just a cowboy hat. All the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, cowboy boots. Yeah, cowboy boots on. Yeah. Other day, in I the think he show, needs yeah. cowboy boots, and I think he needs a cowboy hat. That that's just his uniform every day. He's like yeah. known for that. Yeah. yeah. I think you need that. The other day in the barbershop, he did have his cowboy boots on. Yeah. I will, I will if I wear jeans, I wear cowboy boots. Well, let's work on the hat. Yeah. Get yeah. a hat. I'll do that. Yeah, you need a cowboy hat. <laughs> but yeah, a, a lot has changed um, in the last year and a half. Uh, we had a couple hurricanes here. And in between the two, I think it was Ian, Ian and Nicole. Yep. Uh, I moved everything out of the shop because it kept flooding. And thank goodness, because the, the last one, which was Nicole, the shop flooded really badly. So Santo Cycles has taken a back burner right now. I got into the water mitigation business, say maybe three years ago with another company. I just recently left that company to start my own venture, um, hopefully to stay home more, see the kids. Um, it was requiring a lot of travel uh, to storms. So I just started that venture. So we're doing water mitigation, which is pretty much drying buildings. So, you know, if your washing machine overflows, your roof gets a, a leak, uh, stuff like that, um, any kind of mold, uh, we take care of mold. And then we do uh, rebuilds as well. So we'll go in after we do the cleanup and go ahead and rebuild what you need rebuilt. Uh, so that's what we're doing. It's going well. Uh, we got two crews. We can travel wherever, but uh, right now we've been pretty much in Volusia County, uh, staying busy around here. 
cool, man. Yeah, yeah I think it'd be easy enough around here. There's plenty of water intrusion issues. Yeah, and especially where your old Santos Cycle Shop was. That 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 area floods all the time because dudes. So does this one. Uh, yeah, it's not far. The other no. barbers, yeah, it's not. They're not far from each other, and because um, Duke's um, the other barber in the barber shop had a house right behind, like directly behind the old Santos Cycles. That house flooded all the time. It seemed like every time he turned around, he was have to work on flooding issues at that house. He, I think, he lifted it a couple blocks up because of that issue. Yeah. And uh, hasn't had much issue with it after that, but he was having a lot of issues down there with that. I can tell you just a regular afternoon storm here. It's crazy. The street floods. I yeah. mean, it's just, that's oh, just yeah. the way it is, unfortunately. But yeah. mm-hmm. l- luckily, you know, we haven't had anything major. You know, the water has come up pretty high. It's come up to the door, but hasn't actually come in. So we've been, we've been pretty lucky with that around here. But we're, we're not sitting much different than Santos was over there because we're not that far away. Yeah. So he has a lot of experience with, with the uh, water. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty hard to flood a brewery or a distillery, does and I mean, I mean, you have a little bit of damage to baseboards. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's all blocking concrete, right? So yeah. I mean, water flows in, the water flows tanks, out. Yeah, it's, you know, it wouldn't be fun. But no, I mean, it, it there's the water world. on the floor every day. So yeah. what, does it really matter? You know, a computer server. Yeah, there's stuff like that. But yeah, just make sure that stuff's up off the ground. And we try to make yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I mean, anytime the storm comes, we always first thing I do is fill up tanks so they don't float around and bang on each other if it does get that high but you know it's just getting anything electronic off the floor or anything like pumps or anything like that that I can move higher ground than I do cardboard boxes yeah stuff like that yeah yeah we're coming into the heat of hurricane season too was it September well tomorrow no when's the when's the peak it it starts in June but yeah right around uh, we've been getting hit up quite a bit in the later theme park like September August Um, but we've just had quite a few Storms pop up over the last few days. Yeah. Um, so the water temperatures this year are higher than ever. Um, and that's the key ingredient uh, to the hurricane. So yeah. we may have an active year this year. We'll see. Yeah. And, and I don't remember much of last year's hurricane season because I. You yeah, were out for it? Yeah, I was out for it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we kind of hinted at that. So last year, a whole uh, podcast kind of got put on the back burner because I ended up going in to uh, open heart surgery for two emergency open heart surgeries. It was supposed to be one, but uh, the doctor messed up on the first one. And the day after it, I uh, bled out and was rushed back into the operating room for a second open heart surgery, which I ended up dying on the operating room table and they had to bring me back to life. Then I was on life support for um, six days after that. So it was wild. Yeah, we were all joking. A year ago today, yeah, today's 821. So until 825, I was still on life support. Uh, so uh, yeah, I was technically kind of being kept alive by a machine last year at this time. So uh, it, it's crazy what a year can bring. And that all happened like six, six weeks before my wedding. It, it was nuts for me as far as, um, I don't know if we ever talked about this on the on the podcast, but I have uh, Marfan syndrome, which is a medical disorder of the connective tissue that I was born with. It's a genetic disorder that messes with all the connective tissue in my body. So last year, it wanted to raise its ugly head. I ended up going down for like two weeks with a um, back issue that is caused by Marfan's. And then my heart decided to act up just about a month after that. So it was like crazy with... Um, all the health issues last year. So finally we were able to get the podcast. Me and Morrow, every time he comes in and gets his haircut, he's like, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? And 
I've been so crazy busy trying to catch back up because after my heart surgeries, I was off work for four months with the rehabilit cardiac rehabilitation and all that that goes into um, having heart surgery and being brought back to life and all that good stuff. So um, thank the good Lord that he kept his hand on me because who knows? The doctor even said when, um, when, when the doctor released me from the hospital, he, when he, because a, a different doctor did the second surgery than did the first surgery, thank God. It's probably a good idea. Yeah, it was a good thing. But he said when he opened me back up, it looked like a bomb went off in my chest. Like blood, like they were trying to just drain the blood out and get the blood out of there because it was, it was like filling up my chest cavity. So he couldn't even see what, what, what to do because I was bleeding out so fast. And that's when they lost me. And um, he said he doesn't even know how I was still alive when he was releasing me from the hospital three weeks later. Like he goes, I, I don't know how. Um, he said, we put you on life support, and, and we told your spouse here that, you know, we, we're not sure, you know, we're going to put him on life support, let his body rest, and we're, we're going to hope he makes it through this. And so that's, that's the world-renowned surgeon from, you know, the University of Florida saying that, and it's like, she's freaking out because, you know, even he's wondering if I'm going to wake up from it. So when they put you on a ventilator on life support, there's a 50-50 chance you wake up from that. It's not a one, there's, no one, there's never a 100% chance you come off, yeah. off the vent once they put you on it. So there's a 50-50 chance I'd even wake up. So, you know, it's good to be back. It sucks that, you know, it took so long for us to get back on the podcast, but um, it, it was a long recovery process, uh, and I'm still in the process of still trying to uh, regain clients at the barbershop and everything like that. I was joking around with these guys. This has been... An insane year. I lost half my clientele when I was off with the heart surgery because I was off for four months. So everybody had to find different barbers to cut hair their keeps hair. Growing. Yeah, your hair keeps growing <laughs> even if I'm not there to cut it. And so uh, some people stayed at the barber shop and had the other barbers in the shop cut their hair while I was gone. And then they came back to me after I uh, got back to the shop. But then I had other clients that completely left the shop altogether and then they didn't come back to the shop uh, when, when I came back. So uh, I was, I'm, you know. My, my business has been off 50% since coming back, and that's not counting the fact that I was off work for four months. So it was crazy. It's been one year since uh, all that went down, and uh, we're finally back up and able to have an, another podcast episode. And I'm just grateful I'm still here, So I'm, and I'm glad to be able to bring you guys another podcast episode because I never knew if we were going to be doing this or not. So we were hoping the wife could make it down, too, because she could kind of give her uh, input, too, and where they had me, they had to rebuild my heart and put a mechanical valve in, so I can't drink very much or uh, because of the blood thinners that were on, but I can still taste test and all that good stuff. So I did get to taste test a little bit of the, um, the rum and the, and the beer, and, and they are delicious. But uh, yeah, we're just glad, glad I'm still alive. And um, yeah, I know, beat the odds. yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely beat the odds because the doctor didn't know how I was still here. So uh, he goes, I, you know, you must have had someone watching over you because he said, I've never seen anybody make it back from what you just went through. So it was, it was nice, you know, to, to know that, you know, I got some, you know, got the good Lord watching over me. And uh, for some reason, I don't know, I don't know why I did make him like me. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to have the podcast again. You know, the collaboration beer between Copper Bottom and Orm, not beer, but Beer Barrel Drum was amazing. And the, uh, the bottle, Bottled and bonded series. I really like that too. It has a lot of caramel notes to it. I think, and I, I really had I really that sweet caramel notes to the uh, bottled and bond series there. And then uh, Justin's beers are always amazing. So uh, it's good to be back and um, taste testing. We didn't get to get to uh, 
Mara brought some uh, different alcohols that we can taste test, but uh, we're gonna have, we'll get to those on we'll the next there. episode. Next but we kind of wanted to, you know, bring you guys up to speed on what's been going on over the past year since uh, our last episode, and go over kind of some of the stuff that uh, we've been real excited to come out, especially the um, collaboration between. Jeremy and Justin and the uh, Bottled and Bonded, which we've talked about on the podcast as well. We've talked about both of those two projects on the uh, podcast, and it's exciting to see those come to um, fruition. You know, they're they're here, and you know, we also talked about him building the patio and Justin mm-hmm. getting. Justin's talked about a kitchen a couple of times. I know that that was something he thought about during COVID and things. Yeah. So, you know, it's cool to see all these projects coming to um, coming to a head. Yeah, it's exciting. We're moving forward, and hopefully this year, this is our fourth year of the podcast, and um, hopefully this this fourth year of the podcast, we can do bigger and better things. I know I'm wanting to get it to where we can go live. Uh, we are looking into that, so hopefully by the next podcast episode, we can do a live and recorded uh, podcast. We, it would be live, and then I would upload the recording of that live episode. So we are working on getting that up and running. Hopefully by our next episode in a couple of weeks, we can have that that going so I took a class on it we just have to figure out all the logistics of it as far as the Wi-Fi and things like that so um, stay tuned for that the uh, live will probably be on an app it's uh, made by Amazon it's called amp live on amp I think is how you can Google Play Store or the Apple Play Store it's on both of those and so it'd be live on amp and then we'd still have the podcast recorded and put on Apple podcast and Spotify as well so um, stay tuned for that. Be looking for that in the next, um, probably the next episode. We will uh, try to get that live on the AMP format. So stay tuned for that. And um, until next time, you all have a great one. Bye now. Bye. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Bikes, Brews, and Booze podcast. Make sure you go check us out on Facebook, Instagram, anchor.fm spotify itunes google podcast and anywhere podcasts are found make sure you go to anchor.fm at bikes brews and booze podcast then hit the support button on our main podcast page and help us out to keep this podcast going any small donation will help us out all right until next time you guys have a great one